0: All right, hey, good to see you guys today. If I haven't met you, my name's Aaron, and I'm so glad you're checking out CIL, and feel free to see my email. Feel free to send me an email sometime if you want to connect. And for those of you online, you are so important, and thank you for watching, whether you're watching live or you're watching later on in the week, and I'm just ready to share God's word with you. Uh, we, we've been in a series called Jesus Style. We're looking at ways Jesus ministered to people, and here's here's a premise I want to remind you of that we have. That Jesus is an example to us. And Jesus said, the things I do, I want you to do. And both of those things can feel intimidating because hey, he's Jesus and we're not. But I'm trying to I'm trying to help us close that gap of of intimidation so we could believe God for his power to work. You know, when we talk about God's power, it, it, it's a lot of things that happen. It's, it's when we feel a sense of his presence and services like this, when, when we are healed physically, when there's a special message from God, and, and we're looking for more of God's power because God's power really, really changes things for us, and it gives us everything he wants. So the title of my message today is, is A Culture of Spiritual Power. I want to talk about being in an atmosphere that values and that wants God's power uh, to be present among us. So here's kind of the outcome here. So, you know, the outcome is I want you to believe more in God's power and for God's power in your life. And so here's kind of a summary that typically God has chosen spiritual power to connect with the spiritual culture of the people that that's a typical way god has decided to move he's decided that my power will be present when there's a group of people who receive and accept my power but when people even people who love god say you know we don't really want that or we don't believe that or that's not for us then they're not going to experience that which they don't accept. So that's kind of the premise of this is that I want us to continue to be and to grow in a group of people who have a culture of expectation. We're expecting God's power to move and we want God's power to move. I, I was part of of a time when a church I was working with had special services. We, had, we were having services Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. Some call it revival I don't really think that revival means extra church services, but it can be. It can mean that, uh, it, it, you know. And so that's kind of subjective. It, was it revival or was it just having more church services? Well, I guess it just depended on on your experience at that time. Well, I was in a meeting, you know, in which uh, a couple of the pastors were like, "We're in revival, and let's just keep having church services, even though attendance had dwindled uh, significantly." And then other staff members were like, hey, we are, you know, we are just kind of making our core people come to church again. <laughs> because they're going to come, there's a certain threshold or number of people who will come to church anytime you open the doors. I love you guys. I honor you. So thank you. That really helps at certain times of the year. We, we, this year we've got church on December 26th. The day after Christmas, so I need you guys to be those type of people on December twenty sixth this year. So, so it was just this little conversation, and and the you know the the setting doesn't really matter. This is a point that I remember very clearly. There was a a pastor visiting with us, and he asserted himself and said something very true. Regardless of your interpretation of what was happening in that moment, he said, "If all of you." don't want God to move, then he's not going to move. If there's division here, then I can tell you for sure, you might as well stop the services. This is a human observation, but you're going to see from scripture, this is very common. It's very common that when there is division on whether or not God's power is welcomed, or if there there is a an incorrect theology that God's power is just for the New Testament and it stopped at the last apostle, then there, there is a, by God's providence, a stifling or there, there is a restriction of what he does out of his sovereign choice. So here's my first point today. An offense at spiritual power stifles spiritual power. So if you get offended when anything out of the normal happens in a church service, then you're not going to be in a position to receive anything from the Lord. Because you're just like, this is what happens. Aubrey does three songs. Someone makes an announcement. We hear the sermon. We leave. Repeat, repeat, repeat. You know, that, that's, that's okay. I mean, that's, that's our liturgy. And, and we have a schedule and we schedule our service. Because I believe that when you organize a service, you actually have more room for God to speak instead of saying, "Uh, what should we do next? I don't know. I don't know what we should do. So we do organize our service. But within the organization, there's there's this expectation that the Lord could do what he wills because he is the head of the church. And he's moving in the hearts of his people. And he's moving among his people. So we're going to read a really interesting scripture. And I want to point out something that like two or three weeks ago, I read several scriptures where it said everyone who was there was healed in Jesus' ministry. At specific places and times, there were times that every single person present was healed. But now I'm going to share with you scriptures where by God's providence, Not every person was healed, but some were healed. And we're going to look at maybe why is that the case? So Mark chapter 6, starting with verse 1. He, being Jesus, left there and came to his hometown. And his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who had heard him were astonished. Where did this man get these things? They said, What is the wisdom that have been, has been given to him? And how are these miracles performed by his hand? Now, when you're reading this, you're thinking, Well, this is good. This is good. People are amazed at Jesus. But then it turns here in verse 3 Isn't this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James and John and Joseph, Judas and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? Now, look at this phrase. This is such an interesting phrase. So they were offended by him. Think about this for a second. They were offended at the work of Jesus. Now, before we get too judgmental about those people way back then in the Bible, hey, I know I've been that person before. For whatever reason, if someone gets a little too excited, someone gets a little too emotional, If the service goes a little too long, if I'm ready to sit down and the worship leader starts a fourth song, I just get offended, man. This isn't, I mean, my natural man, I'm not proud of this. I'm not bragging about this. This is a little bit of confession time. And you can relate to that. There's something in us that is the enemy, really, and it's our flesh that can get offended at the work of Jesus. We have to discern what is of Jesus and what is not of Jesus because our natural mind can get offended by something good the Lord is doing. Verse 4, and Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his household. Verse 5, now this is a really strange scripture here. He was not able to do a miracle there. Now, now we know that Jesus could had the ability to do a miracle there. But the wording of this is phrased as an example for us, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. So, obviously, that was happening. And he was amazed at their unbelief. He was going around the villages teaching. So, we, we see here that in his hometown, there was a culture of unbelief. There was a skeptical spirit there. There was an offense. People were offended at the work of Jesus. And I just want to invite you to search your heart. Are there times when because of the way you were grown up, are your personality, are your expectations, are your agenda even for a Bible study or your agenda for a service that you're offended because with what the Lord does? Man, we have to be really careful about that. Matthew told the same story and he gave some of the same phrasing. Matthew chapter 13, verse 58. And he did not do many miracles there because of their unbelief. Now, I wanted some of you to be encouraged about this because, again, I told you last week if someone has, has a spiritual gift, it's not an automatic for believers, it's not. There, there are factors involved, and one of the factors is the culture you're around. And so Jesus himself, as our example, said there were environments where he didn't do as many works as he typically does because of the culture there. So I want some of you to be encouraged that just because maybe you haven't seen the kind of fruit, you know, a lot of times we could... We can use the scripture against ourselves. Satan did that with Jesus. And we're like, well, Jesus said everybody was healed. And not everybody's healed. So I guess healing doesn't exist today. You know, that's that's a wrong application. I want you to see here that even Jesus, here was an example of by his providential will, uh, he he didn't heal all. And and Mark even uses this really strong language and said he's unable to do miracles there because of the culture and the environment. Now, part of my testimony, and I haven't told this in a long time, and I'll give you the abbreviated version, but in, in college, when I was in college here, college age, um, I was starting to get some doors open for me in churches that were cessationist churches. They didn't believe the gifts of the Spirit existed. And there were some opportunities for me there as a, as a young as, uh, aspiring minister. And, and I was a little frustrated with some of the nonsense I saw in spirit-filled churches. I don't want to emphasize those things because, hey, I don't want to give credit or glory to unbiblical things, but I was at a crossroads in my life and maybe even leaning towards not being a spirit-filled minister. Well, my roommate, I had been in high school with him and we went to college together and he wasn't exactly the definition of holiness or holy living at any level, uh, but he started going to a church, and the pastor of this church uh, offended me because I didn't like his style. He, in my estimation, he was bombastic, a little bit showy. He had this southern gospel vibe. I know some of you guys you know, love southern gospel. Um, I, I love it in small doses. That's just me. I mean, how many know that's just just style? You know, that's not not of the Lord or not. It's just opinion. And so I started seeing my friend's life started changing and his life was, was really increasing in holiness and passion for Jesus. And I was lukewarm, even though I was preaching and doing things like that. And I was at a crossroads. So it was a Wednesday night. I'd had a really bad day. And he said, hey, why don't you go to church with me tonight? I'm like, I don't want to go to your church. You know, that's what I was thinking. But for some reason I decided to go. And before I knew it, at the end of the ministry time, it was a Wednesday night church, he was calling people on stage to pray for them. I mean, not like down here at the front, but like on stage. I don't know exactly how it happened, but he said some things meaningful to me. And I found myself standing there on stage and I'm like, okay, how did I get here? and What is going on? And you know, I could tell this guy, one of the I, I, I didn't like about him, I'm still not like, this is not a person I follow anymore either now, but like he, he really kind of pushed people down. You know, have you ever seen people do that? Like he'd pray for them, kind of push people down. And I mean, it's one thing when you pray lightly and people, the power of God, they may fall down. But it's another thing, like when you have your eyes closed like this and someone goes like that to you, you're pretty much gonna go down. Especially if this guy was a big guy like me, you know? So, I mean, he, he was, so he's going down the line and I can see in my peripheral vision that like he's pushing people down. And I'm like, okay. If this guy pushes me down, I am not going to be a spirit-filled pastor anymore. This is it. I'm like, so I'm like ready. I'm like, this is going to be the defining moment of my life. And and, and, he, and he comes up and I'm ready for the push, man. And I'm ready to go. But instead of pushing me on my head or what I perceived that he was pushing, uh, he, he put his, his hand on my stomach. And he said, like living water, let the Holy Spirit flow. And And, and I just started weeping before the Lord. And and since that time, I often cry uh, when the presence of the Lord is is, um, is is I'm aware of it, or He's moving in me. And uh, it was a breaking of pride. So I'm standing on the stage of this guy's church that I didn't prefer. He he was part of Orthodox Christianity, so that wasn't the issue, because, because I do believe we should judge doctrine. But I didn't like his style. And and he's praying for me, and I'm weeping before the Lord. And that sensitivity to the Holy Spirit has continued through my ministry since that time, uh, for the most part. I, at least I believe it has. That was a significant time in my life. And it lets you know that that offense can occur. And here's, here's a second observation from the Gospels. That Jesus chooses to heal or move in unusual settings. Jesus chooses to heal in unusual settings. And I... Again, I'm trying to encourage you guys to not let unpreferred experiences or unpreferred settings prevent you from receiving all that God has for you. And to not not stay in the place of offense. To not be offended by Jesus, much less offended by people who are speaking on behalf of Jesus. But John chapter 5, we see a really, really unusual story and, and I read a lot of commentaries on this and, and there's still a lot of mystery we won't really know exactly what was going on in John chapter 5 until we get to heaven Okay, um, there's a specific place that we're going to read about that archaeologists have uncovered so it's still a specific group of pools that um, evidently that there was healings that happened there occasionally and i will read the story and I'll give you some more commentary about that so, John chapter 5, starting with verse 1. After this, a Jewish festival took place, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. By the Sheep Gate in Jerusalem, there is a pool called Bethesda, Bethesda in Aramaic, which has five colonnades. By the way, Bethesda means place of mercy, our house of mercy. Verse 3. Within these lay a large number of disabled, blind, lame and paralyzed. Just let that sink in for a second. This, this place, these pools and people who were suffering. And we know that those who were blind and lame and paralyzed suffered in deeper ways than people suffer today. Not minimizing that, but, but we, we know that there wasn't as many accommodations or understanding of, of those types of restrictions. And verse 5 one man was there who had been disabled for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and realized he had already been there a long time, he said to them, do you want to go well? Sir, this, this, the disabled man answered, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred. But while I am coming, someone goes down ahead of me. Get up, Jesus told him. Pick up your mat and walk. And instantly the man got well, picked up his mount, uh, mat and started to walk now there 's a lot of interesting things happening there um, first of all jesus didn 't heal everyone there. We only know from the work of Jesus there may be times when not everyone gets healed, but we 're still going to pray we 're going to pray, and some will get healed. sometimes everyone will get healed, and sometimes only some or sometimes there 's not a culture for that, but he he chose. To come to, to this unusual place. And, and we can only assume that healings did occur occasionally because why, that guy would have been there like 38 years waiting for something to happen. And, and so here it is, this, this kind of unusual setting that was a gathering point for people. And then that's where the kingdom of God broke in. Jesus brought his kingdom and he said, and and his providential wisdom said, in the life of this particular man, the kingdom of God is going to break in. You see, every one of those people who were blind or lame or disabled in the kingdom of God will be whole, will be healed. Will be healed. But Jesus decided that in that moment for that particular person, the kingdom of God would break in. And so the point I want to make about this is sometimes in really weird places, like, this place is kind of weird because 2,000 years later, we're still not sure what was happening. Sometimes in, in strange places, God may do his work. So let me give you some human wisdom of why I think that takes place. And I'll, I'll tell you a story, and then the point will come at the end of the story. So stick with me. So about, oh twelve 12 years ago, there was a, quote, revival happening in Florida. and And, and some people were... We're going down to this revival, but it ended up that the man who led the revival as verified was an immoral man and and that proved true uh, that he he was not living uh, he was not following the the scripture he was immoral but he, he was getting he was getting really weird before that was known and he would say that that there was a an angel not named Gabriel or not not named Michael. Who are angels who have names in the Bible? But there was an angel named Emma, who would come when healing took place. Now, I, I just want to say right now that that I mean that to me is well, not even to me, to every other pastor I know is unbiblical, and and it's it's, it's playing games with the power of God and it's manipulative, and and pretty much the the whole body of Christ started dismissing this revival. Little by little, until pretty much everyone dismissed it, and it ended up that this man was having affairs with, with people on his staff during the revival. So it was, just a, it was just a bad, bad situation. So I was actually in, I was in seminary in the city when that was happening in Lakeland, Florida. And my professor, who was, who was really seasoned in the Lord, we were talking about what was happening and he, w- he was teaching us. And he's like, guys, listen, you know, there's, no, there's no angel named Emma in heaven. And, there, you know, all this kind of stuff. And he was about to, you know, publicly, you know, dis- you know, speak out against this. But then the revival ended. So we were having this type of conversation. And this is where something unusual happened. There, there was another pastor at that seminary who said, doctor, he said, let me ask you this question. My mother-in-law had cancer in Alabama. She drove all the way here to Lakeland to receive prayer and she was healed from cancer. What do you say about that? And I'll never forget what my professor said. I want to, he said, God loves to heal his people. So even though it was right to condemn that revival and to speak out against its theology, And as a pastor shepherd to warn people not to go, yet within that, the love of the Lord allowed someone to receive a benefit from that. So that's one of those kind of strange things. But I just just wanted to share that story and connecting it, I mean, with John 5, 2, and that really, really unusual um, story about the pool of of Bethesda, Bethesda, excuse me. All right, here's number three. Here's the last thing i want to close with. The church should be a place for the suffering, sick, and broken to find healing. And guys, those are not those people. It, that is us. <laughs> we come here with suffering. We, we come here with illness. We come here with brokenness, broken emotions, broken relationships, broken careers. And this is not the place to come to pretend we have it all together. This is a place to come and receive healing from the Lord. The the, the greatest healing we receive from the Lord is his love. His love heals us. His love and that that sense of eternity and that sense that we have a future with him and we have a home with him and that the order of this day will end and the evil of this day will come to a close and the ramifications and consequences of sin will not be with us forever for the Lord is going to establish a new place and do a new thing. But I want to share a scripture from the brother of, of Jesus. I mean people were offended by Jesus because they knew Jesus was James' brother. You, you read that earlier but James, James shared this writing with the early church and it applies to us today. James chapter five, starting with 13, uh, verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Yeah, He he should pray. Is anyone cheerful? He should sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? He should call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick person, and the Lord will raise him up. You know, the the prayer doesn't raise him up, the prayer partner doesn't raise him up, the elder or pastor doesn't raise him up, the Lord Yahweh raises him up. If he has committed sin, sins he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. Now we get a little insecure there and we think, oh, it's these special people whose prayers are effective. But who is righteous? Everyone who believes in the sufficiency of Jesus Christ is righteous. And so then we, we, we hear about, Elijah, who had all of these miracles, he was in one of those time periods when, when these spectacular miracles happened in Elijah and Elijah, Elisha. Verse 17, Elijah was a human being as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the land. The part I want you to emphasize there is he was human just like us. He had his stuff. But but he prayed and he prayed in faith and he prayed in belief, and then he prayed again and the sky gave rain and the land produced its fruit. So I just want to say this, you know, and and you know I'm not in a hurry for the work of the Lord. How I many know that the work of the Lord? That's why I love being a pastor. We can just let the Lord work out His thing in us. You know, I'm not the evangelist who's like trying to get everything solved in one week. You know, in fact, I wrote a sermon and ended up breaking it up in like three or four sermons just so we could take our time. But I, I want you to hear, the, hear this. The church is not a speaker's bureau. We're not a place to hear talented speakers. Talented speakers may get us to the table of the Lord. It may get us to special prayer. It may get us to the place of worship. But, but we have to be very careful that we're not addicted to hearing speaker bureaus of people. Like, we just want to hear speakers. And, and, and listen, the last thing I want to do is criticize other churches because churches get enough criticism. And plus, I don't really attend other churches. So, I mean, I can't really speak about the church in America. I used to do the church in America. Like, how do I know? I've, I've gone to one church for 13 years. So, I don't know what's going on in the church in America. Uh, but, but... I have attended churches, and I'm just using this as a, as a um, point of instructive, instructive, instruction of what, what we're called to do. We're like where the preacher ends a sermon, and it's like, see you later. And everyone just, you know, leaves. And, and that's, that's what God's called them to do. I'm not, I'm not necessarily criticizing as much as I'm saying God's called us here. We intentionally create these services with space to apply God's word, to respond. So we want to be people of response people who are doers, people who have ministry, because we believe that God um, wants to touch the suffering, sick and broken, and he wants us to find healing. So here's some things that we are. We're an emergency room. You know, so people show up and they're in emergency. Hey, we can pray for you. We, we are a hospital. Jesus said he didn't come for the healthy, he came for the sick. Uh, we're a rehab center. So Even though we pray prayers of deliverance for people and want to pray for them, you know, that's not enough. We want to get involved in people's lives and bring them to healing. And then also, uh, we are a health club. We're not just, we're just not here just for emergency room services and hospital services and rehab services. We are going to move into health, into proactive, proactive uh, exercises and work so that we can be that strong bride of Christ looking for his return and waiting for his return. So that's the kind of culture that the Lord wants us to have. And we, I know what, I think we have it. So mostly I'm saying, hey, let's keep doing it and let's grow in what the Lord has given us. So, hey, if you're able to, let's just stand together. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for... The scripture. I just want to thank you, Lord, for the Bible. Because in your providence, you have chosen to preserve these writings and to anoint them, and that the church has confirmed the scriptures that we've read today through the centuries. That they the scriptures we read today are not just literature, they are the words of God for us. We thank you, Lord, when we hear the teaching of James, that we know what kind of church we should be. We thank you, Lord, when the Gospels of Matthew and Mark and Luke tell us the stories of Jesus, that they're not just distant stories, they're active pathways and models. Because, Jesus, you're our example. And beyond just being our example, you told us, hey, the same thing I do, I want you to do. So, Lord, we believe we believe today. I want to invite the pastors who are preparing to distribute communion to begin to prepare for that. And uh, we have available these pre-packaged communion, the elements, and you're welcome to use those. You can go at any time to the back and get those. You're welcome to receive those. Many of you like to come to the front, and we're going to ask that you come down the middle aisle. And you can do it in waves. There's no big hurry. We have a lot of a lot, we have a full room today. You know, come down this middle aisle, and you'll take the bread from Pastor Deborah. And then, if you want to take the small cup, you can just go to your right, and the small individual cups. Pastor Daniel will present you the cup. And then Pastor Beth she'll present to you by intention. If you want to take the bread and dip it into the cup, you can do that, and uh, and the Lord will will the Lord will be honored as we remember his death, his resurrection, that he's coming again. I'm going to be here to your right, just down here available to, to pray with you. If anyone wants a special prayer, we'll have a quick word of prayer and I want to agree with you for prayer and believe God to do that. Um, Pastor Josh may be coming back in in a few minutes. He's been teaching sixth and seventh grade, but Pastor Josh loves to pray for people. So he, you may see him down here at the left and if you want to join him, you can do that. Hey, let's pray together. Father, we come to you this moment. Thank you that our hearts are full of scripture and full of faith. We had such a great worship service. And our our worship team prepared these songs and prayers that made us think about you and your greatness. And these scriptures have filled our hearts and maybe even some of the stories I told I hope it encouraged people to believe again and to believe in faith so now we come to you not as just hearers of the word but as doers of the word we come to the table because we believe your presence is in the bread your presence is in the cup we, we, uh, we live out James chapter 5 Lord that if we're suffering if we're sick if we, if we have sins we confess them to you through each other and so we thank you for that, Lord. Glory to your name. As we, I want to give just more, one more word of instruction in that no one has to take communion. Sometimes Christians choose not to. But anyone's welcome to. If you believe in Jesus, you're welcome to the table of the Lord. Um, and now there's a prepared prayer that we pray most weeks. And I want to lead us in this prayer, if we can put that on the screen, for the triune God. A prayer of confession. Join this now. Join me saying this prayer now. Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, set up your kingdom in our midst. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the Living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Holy Spirit, breath of the living God, renew me and all of the world.